It is such a joy to be with you for marriage meeting. I know that many have gone to effort and expense to be here, took time off, spent money, traveled, etc., packed and unpacked. <laughs> I've done it many times. But uh, those that hunger and thirst will be filled. Amen. And you're a wise person. You know, sometimes people hear about marriage meetings and they don't get excited. And they think maybe, you know, well, our marriage is doing, is doing fine. I, I don't need that. Uh, you've already missed the point. <laughs> Nobody has arrived at the fullness of what is possible. And uh, it's not that if you're, if you're a wise person, you'll make investments into things. So that they stay good, improve, get better. Everything down here must be fed and nourished for it to be sustained and for it, especially for it to improve. So I commend you for your wisdom in being here. And I know we have a lot of people joining us also uh, online. So uh, I'm going to give you a little reading assignment. Is that okay? For marriage. And um, it is Song of Solomon, and we'll read two chapters each day. And for the next four days, that'll be eight, and that's the entire book. And also read 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter, and read it in uh, the Amplified and uh, other translations uh, if you want to, but the Amplified is especially good on that. So, uh, what's the reading assignment? Song of Solomon, two chapters, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then what else? 1 Corinthians 13, great love chapter. And now you read them together, husbands and wives, read them together, read them out loud. Hmm? Okay? And you'll find that in some translations they'll have the the husband's part and the wife's part separate so you can see. And if you don't get it quite right, don't be concerned. Just, <laughs> just keep going. And if you, uh, <laughs> if you think, well, I don't want to tell my wife her hair looks like a flock of goats. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's good. You're just not seeing the whole picture. <laughs> <laughs> from, from these animals comes cashmere. And we're talking about silky black as the goats came down the side of the mountain, you know, with the sun shining on them. So it's, it's beautiful language, whether you understand it or not. So just read it by faith. If it's in the Bible, it's good. Good and good for you. Okay, everybody good? Go with me, please, this evening in the scriptures to um, Romans, the 12th chapter and 2. Romans 12, 2. The title of the message tonight is Old Fashioned Family. Old Fashioned Family. Somebody said, old? Yeah, really old. 
in uh, Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Many people, believers included, some believers don't think you can really know the will of God and that it is so mysterious that it's really kind of unknowable and that they just kind of try to ascertain from what's happening around them what the will and plan of God is, but that's absolutely wrong. Ephesians says, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The Lord expects us to seek Him in His Word and in prayer and find out what His good and acceptable and perfect will is. And in so doing, we change. Our mind is renewed and there's a transformation. Did you see that? A transformation that occurs that's like to a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. That if you look up the Greek word, it has to do with metamorphosis. Just because you get born again doesn't mean you've arrived. Your spirit has been made new, but you're actually a baby. Even though you might have been 75 when you were born again, inside you're a baby. And you need to desire the sincere milk of the word so you can grow. And even though your spirit was born again and is a new creation, your mind wasn't born again. Your body wasn't born again. Immediately, we need to get to work on our mind so that we start thinking like God instead of all the junk that we may have picked up previously before Christ. You agree? What did he say? Don't be conformed to this world. Why would he say this? Why would the Spirit of God say to the church and to us as individuals, don't be conformed to this world? Because if you don't make an effort to be transformed, if you don't make an effort to renew your mind, you will be. Like getting caught up in the current of a big body of water. Because the whole world is flowing in one direction. And it's the wrong direction. You know the scripture says. There's a broad is the way. Jesus said. That leads to destruction. And many that are going in that way. So the majority is not always right. In this case the majority is wrong. And straight and narrow is the way that leads to salvation. And relatively few compared to the masses that find it. So if we are transformed and our minds are renewed and we walk with Christ, we will be different from the world around us. Well, the world doesn't like different. (laughs) Have you found this out? Oh, no. No, no, no. Say it out loud, don't be conformed to this world. Why would you need to say that? Because there's a pull. There is pressure to conform. We use different terms to describe it. P 
peer pressure, political correctness pressure, right? Company mentality. All kind of uh, environmental pressures that will try to squeeze you and tell you, conform. Conform. And if you don't, you'll be an outcast. If you don't, you'll be talked about. If you don't, you'll be unfriended. (laughs) And that's as much as I know about that. (laughs) If you don't, you could lose your job. If you don't, you could be kicked out of a church. You remember the guy that got healed at the five porches of sick folks? They kicked him out of his church. Standing up for salvation only in Jesus? Very unpopular. Not accepting other religions and appreciating their beliefs? Very uncool. You will be labeled unenlightened, undeveloped, any number of things. Poor simpleton who needs the crutch of religion. Narrow-minded, bigot, the list goes on. Prejudice, unless you, what? Conform. Is there pressure to conform? It's everywhere. In this world. It's all around. But do you know who is the God of this world? Second Corinthians 4, 4 says the devil is. So what, what you going to be conforming to? What will you wind up conforming to if you go with the main flow? Listen to James 4. Now these are New Testament scriptures. Did you notice? Romans 12. New Testament. James 4, 4. James 4.4 4 says, adulterers, adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Can't I just be friendly with the world? <laughs> Boy, we're into something tonight, aren't we? Huh? Can't I be friendly? You can be a friend of the world. We just got through singing about being a friend of God. How do those two work? I didn't write this. Friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whoever will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Is that true or not? We got to watch them about getting cozy. With the world. Brother uh, Billy Graham, he said something I thought was outstanding. He said a lot of things I think is outstanding, but he said, uh, Our present world is so concerned about offending any and everybody except God. And he went on to talk about how the gospel has been changed and tailored and adjusted. So as not to offend anybody. 
<laughs> marriage. What is marriage? Here's one definition I'll give you of marriage. Marriage is a covenant of truth and love. It's a covenant of truth and of love. Many people today don't bother to get married. Many millions. And many, if they get married, there's no substantial commitment. It's like, you know, if, if it don't work, it doesn't work. There's no understanding at all of covenant. And I realize that we have, you know, many people that have been married and divorced and remarried and perhaps a number of times. And, and some when people weren't Christians and some when they were. We've all made mistakes. And it's not about looking at the past. But how many think if you enter into marriage with someone, you should be serious about it? And you should do it as a covenant before God. And if both of you are serious and enter into a covenant, you three, you, your spouse, and God, and is he able to keep you? If you'll maintain that commitment to that covenant, can he sustain you? And we see people around here uh, many times standing up saying, been married 40 years, been married 50 years, been married 60 years. Well, they took it seriously. Is that right? And there was something strong that was holding, that enabled them to withstand the storms they encountered. Because no matter who you are, you're going to encounter some storms. And it's not that, you know, you do, if you're serious Christian and serious about each other, that you'll never have any challenges. But if you won't just be quick to give up and quit, if you'll give God some time, don't just run out and hire an attorney. Give God some time, right? Give your spouse some time. That's right. Give yourself some time. You'll find that if you just give God some opportunity and time, He can do things you never thought possible. And truth be told. You got some rough spots yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's not all one-sided deal, and hmm? <laughs> the the marriage is the foundation of the family, the covenant of it. And there's a lot of imperfect situations, and don't let the enemy condemn you about any mistakes from the past. We're moving forward. Right? But if we don't want to repeat of failures of the past, we've got to make some changes. Right? We've got to approach it differently. got to do it differently. Or elsewise, we'll just keep repeating the same thing. When he said, don't be conformed to this world, and we're talking about being transformed by the renewing of your mind, what kind of idea should we have about marriage? You hear a lot of talk about the modern family and uh, that we should embrace some expanded ideas. <laughs> Y'all are looking at me funny. 
of what a family is and can and should be. And that we, you know, that a lot of folks, church going people like us, are just kind of stuck in the past. And we need to get enlightened and come on into the 21st century and realize what a modern family is. (laughs) But I submit to you that we need to be very, 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 very. Old fashioned. <laughs> Somebody says, Oh, Brother Keith, you're going the wrong way. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> we'll have to drag you into the 21st century, even if you're kicking and screaming. Uh uh-uh. uh. Nope. Because truth never changes, God never changes. He is love. Love never changes. What works doesn't change. And what a lot of people call modern family is no family at all. When you examine it, there's no foundation. There's no substance. And even though people herald the freedom of it and the this and the that and the newness of it, check on them next year. Check on them five years from now. No. There is that which is in God, and there is the ungodly, that which is without God. And when he says don't be conformed to the world, to this world, he's not talking about the earth, the planet of the world. He's talking about this present evil way of living, which is ungodly. Without God. And you'll see that word ungodly used many times. Describing it. And so that's why there's this push to take God out of everything. Take God out out of school. Take God out of athletics. Take God out of business. Take God out of government. Take God out of your family. Well, what does the devil want God in? Nothing. Right? And so he wants to keep pressing you in to less and less freedom to walk in God. And he wants to develop a stigma about anybody that doesn't conform to all the new, modern, supposedly enlightened ways of living and doing. Go with me, please, to uh, Jeremiah 6, chapter 16th verse. Jeremiah 6, 16. And you'll see why I said that. Thus saith the Lord. Anybody like thus saith the Lord? Thus saith the Lord. Stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? Say it out loud. The old path path. is the good path. (laughs) And walk therein. Don't just find it. Do it. Get in it. Live it. And what will happen? How could you tell you're on the good path that's been around a long, long time? You'll find rest for your soul. You'll see people that claim to be enlightened away from and above the scriptures. They got no peace. 
They got no fulfillment inside. You can't be fulfilled without God. No matter what you say. No matter how hard you try to rationalize and reason and defend. Without God. You're a mess. You may put on a good face. But you'll find genuine rest. When you get in the old path. Which is the good path. Sit out loud. Lord. Lord, I'm seeking. I'm I'm asking. asking. Show me me the old path. The the good way. way. I'll walk in it. it. (laughs) What is the good path? Let let me read the uh, Amplified because it brings out. When we're talking old, how old are we talking? (laughs) Way they had marriage back in the 50s? Uh, no, back. Back. In the 1800s, uh-uh, no, you got to keep going. Back. How old are we talking? 1600, uh-uh, no. Back. How old are we talking? Read the Amplified. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the what? Eternal. Eternal. <laughs> We're talking really old. Eternal paths where the good old way is, then walk in it, and you'll find rest for your souls. But what did they say when he told them that? We will not walk in it, because we are enlightened. We got the modern family. We got the new. We're free. This is one situation where the new is not better. We're talking eternal. Look in uh, Isaiah 51 and 1. Isaiah 51 1, he said, Hearken to me, you that follow after righteousness. Now, this is an old English word. You're following after what's right. Rightness. You follow, following after what's right. You that seek the Lord. Are, are you looking for what's right? Come on. Are, are you? Are you want to follow the Lord? Then he said, look to the rock whence you were hewn. And to the hole of the pit where you were digged. What's he talking about? Verse 2. Look to Abraham. Your father. And unto Sarah that bear you. For I called him alone. And blessed him. And increased him. Do you know that Abraham and Sarah are held up to us as examples of marriage in the New Testament? First Peter 3, other places. Do you know Romans 4, he's called the father of faith, held up as an example? You know we're told we're called the seed of Abraham and that his blessing is ours? Is it true or not? That's old. That's going back. That's going way, way back. But God doesn't need to update anything. Because it was perfect when he said it. Right? There'll never come out a Word of God version 2.0. If it does, don't you buy it. Don't you, don't you get it. Because <laughs> that would imply that God learned some things since version 1. 
or needed to make some corrections or adjustments, which means he's not God. No, the Lord knew what marriage and family was supposed to be when he came up with it. And what he has said, there is no improvement upon. Adjusting it and changing it and taking it apart and throwing away what he said is only going to bring you pain. If you want to find rest in your soul, if you want a taste of heaven on earth, then have a marriage and a family and a home the way God has ordained it. Let people laugh and mock all they want to, but while they're crying and messed up and going on their their fourth situation and fifth situation and can't find rest and can't find peace, you'll have what the world's looking for. You'll save all kind of money from the therapy you didn't need and the drugs you didn't take and the attorneys you didn't have to pay, the property you didn't have to split. I mean, you could get wealthy just doing that. Whew. Look to Abraham. Your father, look to Sarah. Look to those as examples. Well, let's do it. Go to 1 Peter, third chapter. Let's look at them. 1 Peter 3, verse 5. Well, let me back up to verse 4. I kind of jumped ahead. Talked about, let it be the hidden man of the heart, that which is not corruptible, the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Verse 5. After this manner in the what? Old time. How old are we talking about? Way. Way back. (laughs) Way back. The holy women who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection to their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham. Well, that's a politically wrong word. (laughs) Calling him Lord. You got to be kidding. I know you're joking now. If you think I'm calling Bob, Lord. Why why am I saying this? Whose daughters you are. Did the Bible say, look where you come from. Men, should we look at Abraham? And say, I need to learn about what kind of man Abraham was. What kind of husband he was. What kind of father he was. Do we? Ladies, should you look at Sarah? And say, I need to look at her and see what kind of woman of God she was. What kind of wife she was. What kind of mother she was. Yes or no? Because most of the world thinks this is from an oppressed time. And people finally got liberated from these bondages. Why do I say that? Because it says it. He said, you're Sarah's daughter. Talking to the, the wives. As long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Since I just told you this. Because that is the effect on this generation. They read that verse and go. You're not saying what I think you say. What are you trying to say? Amazement. Because people have found a new way. An improved way more enlightened, liberated way to be a man, to be a woman, to be a husband, to be a wife, 
and have thrown out these old, archaic, unenlightened bondage. Selah. Verse 7, likewise, you husbands. Is he talking about the same thing? Is he talking about the old way? The eternal way? Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. It's completely politically incorrect to refer to your wife as weaker in any sense. So these verses are just, for all intent and purpose, blotted out by many church-going people. Right? It's also why they are not able to get answers for some things. And why some things just simply don't work. No matter how many times they try it. It's kind of like this. I heard somebody the other day. Some country was trying to elect a bunch of communist officials over them. And somebody said, didn't you see what happened here and what happened here and what happened here? And they said, yeah, but nobody's ever really done communism right. And we're going to do it right. Truth works. Lies don't. No matter how you package them, no matter how you rebrand them, if it didn't work a thousand years ago, it won't work today. But fools come along, new fools, who despise the old ways. That's a good phrase. I've never said that before. New fools who despise old ways come along every generation. And not aware of the failures and catastrophes of previous generations. And so without God are destined to repeat them. But we're not without God. And we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. And the truth won't put you in bondage. The truth will make you free. Hallelujah. And God's ways are not old and archaic. They're old, but they're good. Hallelujah. Only reason they're old is because he's been around for eternity. And eternity goes way back. You got how you think it ought to be, how mom and daddy said it ought to be, how this group thinks it ought to be, how that party thinks it ought to be, and you got what God has always said and never changed. And it's up to us if we're so foolish as to think we're smarter than him. Or we let somebody else tell us and supersede what he said. Are you willing to let the word of God be your foundation. Be your standard. For everything in life. Be your final answer. <laughs> right? If the word says it. That's true. That's right. No matter what the world has said. We're going to do it this way. We're going to do it the way the word says. Because that transcends. Everybody else's opinion. And idea. And dream and experience and book where's the scripture is what we should be asking all the time there are two words that you hear repeatedly these days and they're dangerous diversity 
and inclusion. I'm really waiting on in, aren't I? Diversity and inclusion. And people have changed the gospel. Some years ago, I was watching an internationally known individual interview a internationally known minister on a talk show. Happened to catch it and was watching it. And, and this individual was pressing the minister. He said, now, you know, Christians sometimes don't accept this lifestyle or that lifestyle or this thing or that. But didn't Jesus preach love and acceptance? Didn't Jesus preach love and inclusion? And the minister agreed with him and said, well, yeah, yeah, he did. And with, I wasn't expecting it. The Lord spoke to me and said, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. It's not what I preached. I thought, okay. Because that sounds right. Love and acceptance. Shows you just how tricky the devil is. This is how he works. He never comes, obviously. And he always takes something good and tries to mix some poisoning with it. He's very, very crafty and tricky. And he takes advantage of people's ignorance of God and ignorance of the word. Seems obviously good and right, but then he slips something else in there. (laughs) So that you swallow the poison with the good. I went back and searched the scriptures. Again, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John particularly. What did Jesus preach? What did he preach? You know what he preached? Repentance. (laughs) Is that the same as acceptance? That's not the same. Repentance and faith, believing, and the kingdom of God. That's what he preached. Believe and repent. (laughs) Is that we accept you as you are? Somebody said, you have to accept me the way I am, actually, we don't. Well, if you don't love my ways, you don't love me. That's wrong, too. I can love you and despise your sin. It's just not true. God loves us. Doesn't mean he loves all of our goofy ways. We need mind renewal. We need to grow up. We need to change. Help your neighbor look at them and say, you need to change. (laughs) What do you or not? Have you arrived at complete Christ-like perfection? Have you arrived? Well, then you need to change. (laughs) No. The message of the gospel is not love every body as they are. You love people where they are. You love people in spite of what's going on. But you don't love all their junk. And if you love them, you don't want want them to stay in their junk. You want them to come up and to come out. In order for that to happen, they need to repent. Just like you did. Right? None of us have arrived. You'll discover something tomorrow. You need to make a change about it. Which is back to our text. Be transformed. By what? The renewing of your mind. It's an ongoing thing. 
That's why one of the re- big reasons we're gathered here tonight. We, we want to get our mind renewed. We want to quit thinking like the world. We want to see things like the Lord does. Agree with Him. And as we behold Him, like in a, a mirror, we're changed into what we're looking at from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. Go to uh, 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Do the scriptures, did Jesus, does the gospel teach inclusion? Sounds good, right? Wouldn't love accept everybody and include everybody as they are no matter where they are? Sounds good, don't it? Sounds right. It's a trick. The New Testament actually teaches separation. Separation. Not based on gender, skin tone, education, wealth, any of that stuff. But based on godly versus ungodly. This has not been preached a whole lot, as you can tell, by the silence throughout the building. But have I been reading scriptures so far? Will you accept scriptures? Go to 2 Corinthians 6, then we'll back up. I think we'll do better if we get this foundation. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. What does it say? What does it say? Be not unequally yoked together with what? Unbelievers. Well, that's not being inclusive, is it? For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What's the answer? None. What do you have in common? What communion does light have with darkness? See, very subtle lies. We're all in the same human family. We're all brothers and sisters of the same God. We may worship him by different names and this and that. Lies, lies, lies. There are two families in the earth. And they have two different fathers. Are you with me? Just because you're born on the planet and I'm born on the planet does not make us brothers and sisters. Even if we're born in the same family, from the same parents, it doesn't make us forever family. Jesus said you must be born again. And if you are, you've come out of the kingdom and power of darkness, and you've been translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All things have become new. And the Lord of this world, the God of this world and of darkness is no longer your Lord. And no longer over you. You have been placed in a different family. If you haven't been born again, you're still in the family of darkness. Jesus told some of the most religious people of his day, he said, you are of your father, the devil. 
Didn't he tell them that? That's not being very inclusive. And that's not appreciating their diversity. Let let me tell you, some of the church have heard it before, but I, I made a change recently concerning what's called race. You remember back when all the trouble happened in Ferguson? While that was going on, I sought the Lord. So I said, Lord, what's the answer? What is the answer here? And he said something I did not expect. He said, there is no black and white. It doesn't exist. It's made up by men. I stopped using the term black and white. Now, this piano up here, that's black and white. Case is black. Keys are white. If I go up there and put my hand on it, I'm a different color. Right? I'm not white. What would you call that? Pinky beige, somebody said. (laughs) Now that don't sound very manly, but but okay. Okay. All right. (laughs) And this brother's hand right here, that ain't black. Mocha. Maybe a little little mocha. How dark can you be? you're no longer white how light can you be till you're no longer black what's the scale where's the cutoff point can you see what I'm talking about black and white do not describe colors they describe categories categories and saying if your skin tone is this You're in a different category of human being from this human being. That's a lie. That's a thing made up by men. It is not true. And if you insist on using the terminology white and black, you're actually helping to perpetuate racism. I know a lot of people wouldn't agree with that. But analyze it and see a different skin tone makes you no different a human being than a different hair color or a different color of your eyes or anything. Now, now don't misunderstand me. I know, depending on how you've been treated, depending on where you grew up, people got this culture. But but that's got nothing to do with your skin tone. That's where you grew up. That's that's what you learned. Well, white people can't clap right or dance right. (laughs) You ain't seen all the white people. And there is no such thing as white people. Just light skin. Depends on where you hang out. I've seen some dark skinned people that didn't have much rhythm. That's a bunch of junk. It depends on your culture, where you grew up, how you think. And a lot of people have been mistreated. I know that. Based on a number of different things. But what's the truth? The truth will make you free. There are a whole spectrum of skin tones. And none of it puts you in a different category. But people have tried to take things concerning that and apply them to all kind of other areas and say that people are being mistreated because of their 
sexual identity or because of any other kind of thing. And people preach that the answer and that actually what Jesus preached and what any real Christian will preach and live is inclusion. Acceptance of everybody. And when we say acceptance, we mean complete inclusion in everything without suggesting that somebody needs to change. Because if that's how God made them, well, where do you draw the line? What if somebody says, God made me a murderer? God made me a pedophile. I was born this way. Where do you draw the line? The truth is, our desires don't define us unless we allow them to. And even if you've had tormenting desires, God is bigger. He can change your insides, your outsides, your wants. He will work in you to will and to do. Working in you to will means you didn't even want to do it. And part of you wanted to do something that was wrong if you'll just be willing to be willing. If you'll let him work in you, he can do what men say is impossible. Keep reading. 2 Corinthians 6. What concord has Christ and Belial? How much does the Lord Jesus Christ and the devil get along? So how much time do they hang out? You know, just being inclusive. We're talking, you'll see it in just a moment. Light and darkness. Totally different. There's no agreement. And if you don't agree on anything, how can you have fellowship? It's going to be hard to spend any time with each other. When everything they bring up, you completely disagree with it. And everything you bring up, they completely disagree with it. How long y'all going to make it? (laughs) I don't think I've ever preached a message just like this. What part has he that believeth With an infidel. Somebody that doesn't believe in God. People say, well, you you need to be able to, you know, get along and hang out with everybody. Maybe you don't agree with their lifestyle. Maybe you don't agree with everything. Not to say you can't be nice and cordial, but to spend substantial time with people. One of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to change or you're going to change. And this is why the Lord warned us about this. You're going to see this more clearly as we go. Keep reading. What part, what's the answer to these things? No agreement. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? None. For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. Wherefore what? Be inclusive. Come out from among them and be what? Separate from what? Unbelievers, unrighteous, darkness, Belial, infidel, idols. Does the world agree with this? 
No, they'd say this is hate speech. Hate speech. The Lord said, touch not the unclean and I'll receive you. And I'll be a father to you. Does that sound good? You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That's family. Is that right? That's family. But in order to be family, it's not that you include every evil thing. You've got to actually be separate in order to be safe. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us do what? Cleanse ourselves. Is this New Testament? From all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Holiness is a word you don't hear in a lot of places anymore. God is holy. What is holiness? Holiness is Christ-likeness. It's being like the Master. Do you want to be like the Master? Was He loved by the world? Uh Uh-uh. He was so hated by the world. He wouldn't. And he said this. He said they hated him. Because you know he told them. About their unrighteousness. And their sin. And they hated him. And he said don't be surprised. If they hated me. They'll hate you. Call you old fashioned. Call you unenlightened. And a lot worse. But we can't have. The joy. The peace. The family that we're supposed to have, the marriage that we're supposed to have, while embracing the world. Be ye separate. Go to 1 Corinthians 5, please. I'd like to read this entire chapter. Because I think it's necessary. And it's not that long, it's a short chapter. To get what you say. Does anybody know that 1 Corinthians 7 goes into detail about marriage? Divorce, remarriage, I mean, the seventh chapter is just so much in there about marriage. That narrative doesn't start in 7 verse 1. This wasn't written in chapter and verse. The narrative starts in chapter 5 that leads up to chapter 7. They had written Paul and asked him some questions about marriage and Divorce and remarriage and those things. But there was also a situation they didn't bring up to him. That he brought up to them. By the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 5 and 1. He said it is reported commonly. That there is fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles. Unsaved people. He's referring to. That one should have his father's wife. That's not talking about his birth mother. This would be his stepmother. Didn't say his mother, but his his father's wife. And to have her means they're a couple. They're sexually involved. They're living together. She left his daddy, and now they're a couple, stepmother and stepson. Verse 2, and you are puffed up. What? And not rather mourned that he has done this deed might be taken away from you. Now let's just stop right there. 
They're what? How could you be puffed up? What does that mean? They're enlightened to diversity and inclusion and have come to realize with a modern view that you can't help who you love. You can't help who you fall in love with. Right? <laughs> or if what the old song say, if loving you is wrong, <laughs> you sure you don't want to be right? Not right with God? Not right in life? Puffed up. How could you be, other translations say proud. You're proud of this. How could you be proud that somebody in your church, maybe they sang in the choir, maybe they worked on the, uh, the parking lot team, hopefully they didn't work with children, they, they have destroyed a family, they've gotten together, a man and his stepmother, where's daddy in all this? I don't know if he still comes to church or not. But they're still coming to church. Maybe still singing in the choir. Maybe still working. Why? Because they have gotten the next revelation of grace. And they realize that all of this is already taken care of. And if we'll just love them. They'll grow up and see the light. But we have, to, we have to treat them right. And we have to not shun them. Love on them. That sounds good, don't it? Have them over to the house. No? Make sure they keep their place on the praise team. Why? Because grace and love covers a multitude of sins. And grace has already paid for it all. Jude warns us. Have you read the book of Jude lately? Just one little chapter. Warns us that we must earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Because there will be people who rise up and will pervert the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ into lasciviousness. Looseness and if you read the rest of it, disrespect. Disrespect including to the Lord himself. The devil's tricky. He's very, very crafty and tricky. So what would Paul do in the situation? We don't have to wonder. So was Paul unenlightened? Huh? He lived in another age. Is this just Paul talking? Or is it the Holy Spirit speaking through him? Has the Holy Spirit changed? Never. What did he say? He said, you're puffed up. Not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from you. For I verily is absent in body, but present in spirit. I've judged already. 
as though I were present concerning him that has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. That is not appreciating diversity. (laughs) And it sure ain't inclusive. What would most people say about that today? They'd say that is un-God, that's unchristlike. That's not, yeah, that's hate. That's hate. Because you love who you love. Right? They didn't mean to fall in love. It just happened. Right? It just happened. Even if it did just happen, doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it okay. And the Lord would spare us from this. People do genuinely fall in love that should not. When you say love, that's the wrong word. They get involved with each other, okay? And they call it love. <laughs> let, me, let me give you two big identifiers of love. We need mind renewal where love is concerned. People use this word too much. They use it too loosely. And apply it to things it shouldn't be applied to. Number one. God. Is love. That's what love is. God is love. Number two. And you see this in 1 Corinthians 13. Love. Is not self seeking. Love. Is willing to sacrifice. What I want. Or think I need. For you to come out better. It is not willing to sacrifice other people. Our situation so I can get what I want. You need to ask yourself. In every situation. When you start talking about love. Number one. God is love. Is God in this? Then don't call it love. Number two. How is this affecting them? If it's destroying them. Don't call it love. Come on are y'all with me friends? What a lot of people call love is infatuation and or obsession. It's desire. Can you want something you shouldn't want? That goes back to the Garden of Eden, right? Yeah. Sure you can. And if you're smart, you'll get away from it. Right? Get away from the tree. If somebody's catching your eye too much, get away from them. Is that right? I mean, if you need to change jobs, if you, if you need to relocate, why? Make it easy on yourself. Don't put yourself in the place of temptation. Does the Bible talk about this? Make no provision for the desire of the flesh. It's just being dumb. The, the writer of the Proverbs talked about, you know, the wayward woman. Don't go near the door of her house. What does that mean? Don't go down that street. Why? You're protecting yourself. You're saving yourself. Don't act like you can deal with things that you can't deal with. You know, if you're trying to lose a few pounds. It's easier to pass the grocery store than it is the refrigerator. What do you mean? If you don't stop and get it and take it to the house, right? You're just making it easier on yourself. And if you're trying to stay away from the cookies, 
don't go down the cookie aisle. Right? If you do, you're just being dumb. Oh, I can handle it. You're being dumb. You're being dumb. If you're heading down the cookie aisle, you're already proven you're not as strong as you thought you were or you wouldn't be in the cookie aisle. The fact that you're in the cookie aisle shows you're not nearly as strong as you thought you were. I remember a man telling me one time he he was a terrible drunk, alcoholic, destroyed his family, his marriage, his job, and and God delivered him. God supernatural. I mean like that set him free. He was an alcoholic. One moment, next moment he wasn't. Didn't even have a desire. That's supernatural. God gave him his family back. Is that amazing or what? But he told me he said, uh, he said, when I was going to work sometime, there was a sign on the road that had a big whiskey bottle on it. And it bothered me. And I, I finally realized I can't go down that road because that sign is there. And it'll get me thinking about that. Now, some people call that foolish, but that's being wise. Don't go near the door of her house. So the first time, Sonny Boy thought stepmama looked nice today it's time to relocate to come on are y'all with me <laughs> I see people shaking their heads and people am I reading the Bible or not this is New Testament the moment something catches your eye and your mind it starts you'll make it so much easier on yourself if you just absolutely cut it off I mean do what you got to do but don't subject yourself to those influences and pulls and desires. Verse 6. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Here's what people have not understood. People have thought, well, you're just being mean to people. Do you know the scripture says... If a brother is a fornicator, don't even eat with him. Don't have a meal with him. And you might say, well, that's, how are you going to get them back to the Lord? You're missing the point. It's not about being mean to them. It is about saving you. It's about protecting you. Because these things are contagious. Not my words. What's he telling them? Why was he so rough on this situation? Why did he do what he did? They didn't have enough understanding to see it. They are, they are such baby Christians. And they're full of pride thinking they got a, an advanced revelation of grace. That people can be in these situations. And it's just okay. Let's just love them. And, just, and the Spirit of God through Paul says, uh-uh. If this is not dealt with, if this is not gotten out of here. Next thing you know, there will be this kind of situation through the whole church. It will spread like a disease. With God, it's never about being mean to people. But it's also love for them. Because if they can be in this situation and be so far from God, they didn't listen to him when he told them to leave it alone to start with. They hadn't listened to him for months or years now. And if they're that far away from God, They can live in this fantasy world 
Because they still have all their place in church. They still have all the fellowship. And everybody's treating them like everything's okay. And it's not okay. I said it's not okay. And if they're out of their position. And not around the fellowship. It can be a wake up call. To go hey. Am I this far away from God? The answer is yes. Now if they repent. And come back. Okay. We're good. But if they demand that if you love me, you have to accept this, we're actually doing them no favors. Can you see this? And there are even some people that folk are embracing in the church that are not saved. They're not born again. They don't know the Lord, never been born again. And they are comforting them in their lost condition that they're okay. And if they died today, they would not go to heaven. We're not advocating being mean to people. But God knows better than anybody else. And if he says this is what you should do. This is what you must do. He's endeavoring to protect us. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15.33. Don't be deceived. What? Evil communications do what? Corrupt good manners. That, That word communication could be translated fellowship. Manners. It can be translated manner of life, way of life. Even, it's even translated morals, standards. You can't hang around people and spend time with them. And them blaspheming and don't accept God. And throw away his scriptures and trample upon even the blood. If you're right with God and close to Him, you can't tolerate that. Come on, are y'all with me? You just, you're like, uh -uh. uh-uh, no. But if you keep staying in that to where you can tolerate it, you're backslid. Come on, can y'all see this? And don't realize it because these things can happen gradually and doing it in the name of love. Right? Do it. Just got to accept everybody and treat everybody wonderful. It's a trick of the devil. Trick of the devil. People have friends. I, I, I hear of situations. Married couples. The woman has her friends. The man has his friends. They go off and do stuff. And they go to places. And you think, what are you going over there for? The men go over here and do this. I'm really getting some looks now. (laughs) Doing what? And and they hook up with people that have alternate lifestyles and and believe in other religions and other gods and from work and from this and that. And and they just have big parties and great times. And and, and not just one time, but I mean every Tuesday (laughs) for three and four hours. It's not okay. It's changing you. Because the devil's trick is tolerance. Tolerance sounds so Christian. It's the first step toward conformity. The devil knows if you're a real Christian, you're not just going to say, I'm going to be this, I'm going to do this tomorrow. He knows that. 
if he can just get you to tolerate it and say, well, I guess it's okay for you. And I guess that's your truth. That's a lie, another lie. There's no such thing as your truth and my truth. There's the truth. Mm -mm. No. Keep reading. He said, uh, your glorying's not good. Don't you know a little leaven leavens the whole lump? This is true with your children. If you do what you should as a parent, you're going to make them mad sometimes. Now, I'm not talking about out of fear. But you just recognize these guys are going the wrong way. People like to think, well, yeah, but my, my kid's strong and, and they'll be okay. And, and that's like you saying, I can go through the cookie aisle. And they're not as strong. They haven't been around as long as you. They, they don't know these things. That's one of the reasons they have a parent. Come on, y'all with me. Yeah, but I want to be their friend and I want them to like me. And your parent license should be pulled. They don't know enough. They think they do. But they, come on, you used to be there, right? You thought you knew so. No, you thought you knew it all. How much did you know? It was pitiful what you knew. Pitiful. Wouldn't fill up half the bottom of a thimble. But you thought, you thought, you thought. Listen to this, sounds familiar. Mom and daddy, so old fogey. So, right? Old. Out of it. Not with it. Not cool. They don't understand. Young love. They don't understand. Me being myself. And expressing myself. And they don't understand the importance. Of being inclusive. With all kinds of diversity. I'm sorry. But they just. You know. They just are so. Last century. Does that sound familiar? That's what the devil tells every generation. That's what we started talking about. So what, what are they saying? They need to come on into the what? Conformity with the world. But we've decided we're not going to do that. We're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Old fashioned? Honey, you ain't seen old fashioned. <laughs> We ain't talking about the 50s. We ain't talking about the 20s. We ain't talking about the 16s. Old fashioned? We're not going way back. We're going way, way back. Abraham and Sarah back. Reckon it would work. It's not Abraham and Sarah. It's the Word of God. It's what God revealed to them. That has never changed. Hallelujah. Are we believing the Lord to show us this this week? Every night. Throughout the week. Keep reading he said. This can spread through the whole bunch. Purge out the old leaven. That you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover sacrificed for us. Let us keep the feast not with old leaven. Neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. But with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in an epistle, not to company with fornicators. 
Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, extortioners, or idolaters, for then must you needs go out of the world. But now I've written unto you not to keep company, if any man that's called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or extortioner. With such an one, no, not to eat. What have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not you judge them that are within? But them that are without, God judges. Therefore, put away. Is that inclusive? Put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Yeah, but could they help who they fell in love with? Maybe God made them that way. Maybe it was a love of the century. (laughs) And nothing could stand in the way of it. Not daddy. Not the pastor. Not the church. No, it's a lie. I said it's a lie. No doubt their souls got entangled with each other. And they they would feel pain to be separated. God would have spared them from that pain. They never should have gotten involved to start with. Come on, can you see this? But if it's love, God's in it. And if it's love, it's looking to bless the other person. And is willing to sacrifice so that other people, instead of the other way around, making you sacrifice so I can get what I want. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Stand up with me if you would. Praise be to God. Thank you, good Father. Let's lift our hands and begin to thank Him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Put on the screen Psalm 1, the very first Psalm. Hallelujah. You can play softly, brother. Read it out loud with me, everybody. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Keep going. His delight is in the law, in the word of the Lord, and in his law, in his word, does he meditate day and night. What will happen? He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Does that sound good? Does that sound good? That's what we want. In our personal life, in our marriages, in our families, with our children. So what about the new way? The new and improved, enlightened. Read the rest of the verse, the next verse. The ungodly are not so. No, uh, no planted by the rivers of the water, no flourishing, no fruit. They're like the chaff which the wind drives away. They're like the new diets that come out ever so often. Everybody jumps on it and then they find out, well, that wasn't so bad for you after all, was it? After somebody sold millions of dollars worth of diet food. 
It's some kind of different idea that's coming out all the time about how to be a man, how to be a woman, how to be married, how to have a family, how to raise kids. But after just a few years, it'll dry up, it'll blow away. It'll be chaff that the wind drives away. And if you were established in the old way, the good way, you got roots that go hallelujah, down, 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 down. When the wind blows, you barely move. Hallelujah. You bear fruit all the time. Even in drought, you bear fruit. Your leaf doesn't wither. The ungodly not like that. They're like the chaff that the wind drives away. Hallelujah. So they won't stand in judgment or in the congregation of the righteous. Thank you, Father. Let's lift our hands and thank God for the good way. For the ancient way. For the old way of truth that never changes. Hallelujah. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.